Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Okay, y'all, before we get started, I promised myself I wouldn't forget to share with you some really important news. I have officially opened the opportunity to work with me in the eight-week ESL relationship program I know it's the holidays coming up and you don't want to spend another holiday season alone and worried that you'll be alone forever. You don't want to go through the holidays again and come up on January 1 without taking control of your life and working on your relationships. So that's why I've officially opened up the opportunity to work with me. There's a limited amount of spots Once the spots are gone, they're gone. So if you're really, truly serious about getting off the dating roller coaster, you're tired of all the dating games, and you are ready to attract that healthy, great relationship, this program is for you. If you're tired of picking the wrong guy, picking people who won't commit, picking people who you feel you can't commit to, If you're tired of all that wasted energy and you want to have a relationship that lasts, then this program is for you. So make sure you don't wait. Go to the link in my Instagram bio. It's Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching and click the apply now button. Go do that. Take the action now that your future self will thank you for. Welcome to a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have Marnie Batista with us, and she is the founder of Dating with Dignity and the Institute for Living Courageously. She was married for 17 years, divorced, and successfully dated again in today's complex social environment, and she's now happily married. So Marty really understands what it feels like to be lonely and sick of wasting time going on dates and having relationships with unavailable men that go nowhere. Through her own journey to find love, Marty felt called to create a process to shorten the journey for other women suffering from the inability to create emotionally safe and fulfilling intimate relationships. She has discovered, in fact, that creating this process was truly the mission of her soul and purpose. I love it, Marty. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I just love, I love what you stand for and your purpose. And I feel like there's so much that we share in common um, because I, I know when you're doing work that you can really connect with, that feels like, Hey, this is what I'm called to do. It's so meaningful And it's just, it comes so easily. So anyways, tell us a little bit about you, the work you're doing, how, how you decided to embark on this journey. Well, you know, they say you teach, you know, what you need to learn, so to speak. And so, um, I just always had a bad picker, um, even when I was, I was telling someone else's story, like when I was 10 years old and, um, I was like, you know, watching the Magnavox TV on my belly, you know, in the shag carpet, watching the Miss America pageant. And this boy called me on the, you know, telephone and he said, I think you're so pretty. You could be Miss America. And then he hung up (laughs) 
And that was like the first time that I got like this hit of like external validation that was like, oh, someone thinks I'm pretty or someone thinks I'm this. And I swear, you know, it was just it ignited that unhealthy part of me that just was always seeking validation from men, boys as when I was younger um, to feel lovable and enough. And so I ended up getting married when I was like 22 which is horrifying now that I have children that age. Uh, and um, <laughs> I got divorced after 17 years. And then I met someone else and he was like the same kind of guy. And and then I had these three daughters and I sort of had a moment where I was like, if I don't fix this, like I will for sure teach it to my children. And I couldn't imagine, you know, fast forwarding to where I am right now, right? Where I have these adult children who are in bad relationships and um, sitting there across the, kitchen table of them telling me, you know, something that about, you know, not being enough or not feeling valued. And I was like, I, I, I can't do it for myself. I'm doing it for them. Mm. Uh, I got to get my shit together. So that was sort of the beginning of this process of me discovering what it really takes to create a healthy relationship, beginning with, you know, the foundation to who you choose to creating a, uh, that strong foundation so that you can then have a sustainable, healthy relationship. So that was the journey. It took me a while. And I decided if I could figure out a way to like condense that for people uh, and save them one day of suffering, uh, I would. And that's how I kind of fell into doing this for my, my work. I love it. Wow. What a powerful story. I, I will hear that from women I work with that they'll say, you know, if I can't have the motivation to do it for me, I need to do it for my kids, right? Because you're you're modeling and you you want them to have a healthy model because you would never want them to go through the pain that you've gone through. So it's just such a, a motivation. So yeah, totally. Cause sometimes we can't get out of our own way, but when when are a person who generally does things for other people, if that's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an operating system for better or worse at the time, you know, it's like leverage it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So, I mean, there's, there's so much in your story that I, I can relate to in terms of my own, you know, dating past. I went through kind of a decade of just dating people who were unavailable. I I always talk about the dating roller coaster, right? Where it's like yeah. you you have those intense highs within the low lows and it just always ends in a dumpster fire. Like things always yeah. <laughs> end badly. Um, and I had a decade of that. And then I went through an abusive relationship that was the thing for me that was like, okay, something has to change. You know, I'm, I'm filing a police report, like yeah. something, something has to change. <laughs> so yeah, I just think like, um, for you, do you have any idea in doing the work and, you know, developing this process? Like, what was it for you that was causing the attraction to the unavailable man? Well, you know, if I reverse engineer it, which I did ultimately, it came down to a couple of of things. And number one was that I was raised by a uh, really charismatic, amazing dad. And we had a very mostly functional family. And I think that one of the things that I didn't get early on was like, I didn't have uh, physical or, or emotional abuse. I didn't have any of those things that are on that ACE, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sir, I, that just really wasn't how I, I grew up for the most part. And so I just, and I didn't also want to demonize my mom or my dad. I thought that if, in order to like fix this, then someone had to be wrong. And I just loved my parents and I I just was like, why are you making me do this therapist? Like, what's the fucking point of that? So um, when I realized that, that it wasn't about making them wrong, it was about just uncovering what could have been better. um, I was more open and willing to go down that, down that path. And what I really realized was that 
in my condition, in my case, my dad was an amazing dad. And also he traveled till from probably when I was like maybe one or two till I was about 10, um, almost every week, five days a week. And he would come home on the weekend and he'd be really tired, but he would always hang out with us. You know, we'd, we'd, we play in the backyard. We, you know, play basketball with us, do touch football. You know, we, we do a lot of stuff together. Then he'd go. And I, and I remembered this moment where I'm asking my mom, you know, like, where's dad? This sucks. And she's like, well, this is what we put. This is a sacrifice to have nice things. That was what she said. Um, and so I learned that, you know, crumbs are okay. Cause that's what you, you just do that. You suck it up. Ooh. Right. And so, um, and so I just learned that crumbs were enough and to suck it up and, um, and that, you know, you don't, and then my mom wasn't super evocative of, uh, explaining her emotions or getting her own needs met. She was just sort of more like the doormat in the, in the family. And so I was just like, Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. And that did not, that did not bode well for me. So, um, so I, it, yeah, so that, that's kind of, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Oh my gosh. I, I really love the point. Cause I will always help people with this too, is that that powerful understanding that your parents obviously love you. They, they do the best that they can. Right. Yes. And, and there's things that impact your relationship blueprint. Like I like to call it. Right. Yes. So they, they love you. They do the best that they can. And there's ways that they failed because all parents fail in some ways. That's the real truth, right? That is the real truth. And, yeah. and you know, there's all this research that shows like if you put a baby in the middle of the room and the two parents just sat there 24 seven and attended to its every need, they'd also be, you know, yeah, that's a little also, messed up. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. there is no, there is no perfect no. way. And I raised, <laughs> and I raised my kids to just, you know, get help early and often. And so yeah, exactly. Um, because, you know, that, you know, they, we were divorced. So I know that impacted them. I know like lots of stuff impacts them. So, um, and I think just for me, the removing the stigma around mm -hmm. working on your childhood doesn't mean that one of your parents yes. is bad. And, uh, and even if you did have trauma, some on the reverse, right? We work with a lot of people who are like, how can I, how are you wanting me forgive this person or have peace around yep. this? And it's like, well, you don't have to forgive them per se, meaning you don't have to forget it. Right. But like, can you find this peace in your, in your heart? Um, because of the same reason, right? They're flawed. They're doing the yep. best that they could. And if you trace it back to their childhood, mm -hmm. you know, then it all makes perfect sense. Why they are they that it. way? Yeah. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. You can love your parents and still work on your childhood stuff. Like, yes. boom. Yeah. And this whole piece about it's intergenerational, like you, you have to decide, okay, I'm going to break the chain of just accepting the same patterns. Right. But a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And yeah. that's, you know, when I look at my husband and I are doing our annual planning that we do um, at the end of every year right now, and, you know, we have these sort of like 12 areas of life. And for me, the legacy part is, you know, to raise emotionally intelligent children and break the generational, you know, long-term family patterns of X, Y, and Z, you know, and when my dad died, um, a couple years ago, I ended up writing a book about him and I just finished it. It's been a long process, but I did a ton of family research, you know, and really looked into it. And, and my dad had written a bunch of blogs and I, I'd always read them when I was, you know, whatever, but I didn't really read them looking for the hidden messages. And so when I did all this research, it like made, it made perfect sense. All of it made perfect sense. So I think that, um, being curious about it and open about it, not to vilify, but to just, you know, to mm. just understand, um, is a really beautiful way to, to just mold and change the 
the line, the legacy. And, and that's one of the things that I would talk about in my book was like, you know, how can I be who I am, who I am? Cause I'm not just my dad and my mom that, you know, merged together. Right. <laughs> how can I be who I am and keep the parts that I treasure and love and keep the parts that are unique to our family and our, and our bloodline and all those things. And also make it better for, for a new, a new generation for my children, grandchildren and future generations. And, um, that to me is the ripple effect that I'm trying to do in my own life. And then mm. that's my favorite part of working with women that I do is because I know that we're making an impact on future generations. I love it. I love it so much. It's powerful. You know, we, we always talk about generational wealth. What about generational emotional intelligence, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, for sure. For sure. And it's so funny. So my kids are now like 25, 22 and 18. And when everyone was together at the beginning of the pandemic, we all like reverted back to like five people living in the house at the same time. Uh, and so of course we're having this argument and in the middle of this thing in the kitchen, two of the kids just burst into laughter and I'm like, okay, what the fuck? And they're like, they just like, we, our family is hilarious. Like how we fight. Like I experience, I'm experiencing you right now as like disrespectful and I appreciate how you feel. I'm feeling really sad. It's just so, anyway, they just thought they're like, nobody else fights like this. None of my I love know. it. Yeah. But it was I love just funny it. Cause we, that's, you know, cause that's my jam, but that's um, so good. And, and I know it's so good. It's so crazy. And so amazing. It's funny that that reminds me of a time I briefly dated a psychologist and it was like, everything was, I'm experiencing you as, and you know, it was, it was a little too much. Well, that's what they, but that's what's so funny is they're like, that's growing up. They were like, stop this shit, you know, but yeah. now that's how they talk. And it's yes. Funny. Oh no. It's just, it's so helpful though. I mean, wow. That what, what a gift that you've given them empowering them with that information and that will impact their children and so on and so on. So I just, I love that idea. Um, yeah. And I think what's so, what's so beautiful, you know, you and I have this in common of when you experience such a massive personal transformation and you're like, whoa, I got to help other women who were also suffering like I was, I got to help other women get out of the place that they're in. I, I owe it to other people to share it. Right. Yes, absolutely. And that, and that was that for me, it's like, I know that when I'm thinking about my legacy and the impact I want to make, it's the mission of my, of my soul really to make that impact and that ripple effect, you know, and be in service to the people who are desiring that kind of change. And, you know, not everyone is, but for those that, that yes. are, you know, I think that's, that's part of why I'm here. I love it. It's, it's a beautiful mission and I totally align with that. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things that I can talk with you about and you, you have the model that you've developed dating with dignity. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Yeah. And can you tell me some of the, you know, the processes or kind of like what, what goes into that? Yeah. So one of the things that we do is that it is process-based. And so we are trying to uncover essentially what I call the 10% because most people who come to us have done enough work, right? Like they've listened to enough podcasts, read enough yes. books or gone to therapy or they're like, you know, they, they get an idea of what's kind of going on. Um, and they have a lot of information, but they've never been able to really have the healing or the transformation that shows up in the form of like a tangible you know, result, like a human that you go, good morning, honey. <laughs> right? right. They haven't connected the through line. And so the process that we cultivated over the last decade uh, allows us to kind of find that last 10% um, that's lingering in the unconscious and then heal it in a, in a efficient way without having to, you know, talk to someone for six months or six years mm. and then really get clear on who, you are without all the patterns and, mm -hmm. and unhealthy beliefs. And then from that place, which is exciting, confidence, authenticity, um, feeling, yep. 
feminine, you know, the guard is down, you know how to create emotional safety, deciding who you're looking for. And then coming up, we have a very amazing way of like being able to translate that into an online profile and then an offline kind of dating strategy so that you're filtering really efficiently. So you're being really discerning without being picky and sabotaging Um, so that, you know, you kind of, we say, turn the faucet on and then you're dating with dignity. And that means you're collecting data. You're seeing if these people meet Mm -hmm. your criteria, you are having fun because they're pursuing you. So it doesn't feel heavy. Um, And then you choose. And then in, in the beauty, the way this process works is that, you know, then the person that you're choosing typically if they stay with you, if you choose to, you know, rule them in, they're going to have these common core values. So then from that, you can make a really strong foundation so that you can navigate through a relationship and sustain it. You know, according to the Gottman Institute, 69% of a couple's challenges are perpetual, right? And they're, they, they're constant. They're the same 69% that will show up. And so when you've gone through this process, you have the skills to navigate through those perpetual problems and chip away at them over time. Um, And that's what we really want. It's not just about getting the guy or getting married. It's about being who you are and then having the emotional intelligence to create a healthy relationship. That's what it takes courage. Um, How you do that is by being courageous. And uh, it works. It totally works. So that's very fulfilling for us. I love it. I love it. Um, and I think just the power, you know, so I, I also have a program. It's called the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. Um, but it's it's interesting. Whenever I talk with other people who've developed programs, there's always common things and I know the programs that are successful, we always start with you, right? Yeah, like, of course. You yeah. got to start with you. Um, so that's that's definitely very similar to what how I start to uncovering. Because it is, it, gosh, it's so amazing when people finally get to uncover some of those unconscious things that they didn't even really know were there. But then once you get rid of them, it's really easy to move forward. It's just so powerful, right? Yeah. Well, it, it is. It's what's interesting is that it's a be careful in my experience, it's a be careful what what you wish for situation. Yeah. Um if we're programmed to not receive or be uncomfortable receiving and then we meet someone and they're, you know, being generous in lots of different ways, it feels so uncomfortable, right? There's yes. like open space. So Um, and that's where I think it's important to have, you have to install, like you rewire and install new wiring. Exactly. Um, and then learn the skills, right? Dating skills, relationship skills. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll always talk with women about how we have to learn that secure is sexy. Yes, totally. Stability is sexy, you know? Absolutely. You're, you're rewiring that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad you shared that with us. And I, I can just imagine you're helping so many women. I love it. Um, one thing I wanted to just talk with you about, because I, I realized I haven't talked about this in quite a while on the podcast. And I think it's something you've spoken with other people about. Um, dating during this time. Yeah. During, like I, I want to hear like, what, what have you been advising women and what, what, what advice would you give? Well, I think first of all, hear me loud and clear. This is actually the best time to date. That's what I tell people. <laughs> um, really- I love it. It really is. And so just a little bit of, of data. So Right now, you know, they, they, there's a lot of research that's come out. So uh, 40% of Americans say they miss physical intimacy more than emotional, spiritual, or mental intimacy, right? And, uh, you know, 26% feel deprived of touch, right? So you've got these people who are desiring connection, right? Like they, they really want a connection. Um, and so then you kind of go and you look at then what's going on. What are the trends we see online dating just because we can measure that. And the, 
the recent research shows that um, 69% uh, of the users online are thinking more about who they're really looking for. And 50% are no longer chasing after people who aren't interested in them. Meaning that people are actually seriously looking for connection and partnership. Yep. They're lonely. They're, uh, they're, being yes. more open-minded. That's the other thing. 59% of daters that were surveyed are considering a wider range of people as potential partners. Beautiful. I love, I love that data. And certainly thinking about, okay, you're home all this time. You're going through, you know, a global crisis. What also happens values clarity. People yes. are getting clear on their values. Like, oh, I actually really want a partner to go through life with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the common misbeliefs is, well, if I meet them, like we'll never be able to be together, right? Like we won't be able to be together. So what's the point? Like, what are we going to do? Wear masks and be six feet apart for, you know, the next whatever time. And that's just not true. So 55% of the people online are fast tracking relationships more than before the pandemic. And so what you, and because, and this is what's so amazing. It's literally, honestly, the best time because people are having the, con especially now, because we're about when we're recording this eight or nine months into this, um, having the COVID talk, right. Um, and around COVID and health testing, right. Is something that used to be, uh, uncomfortable when you're talking about sexual health, right? But now uh, health testing is something that is really common to talk about, you know, like, did mm -hmm. you get a test? When's the last time you got a test? It's just people are comfortable with it now. So it's simple, right? You meet someone, you have a few distant dates. I make them oversimplifying, but essentially um, you have a connection, you click, you decide you want to be in the bubble with each other. You talk about what your pandemic sort of values are. Um, you go get tested. There you go. I mean, it's, yeah, you make some agreements and if that person's yes. not your person, then that's fine. They go off and you, you start again, yes. but it's, it's um, yeah. Don't make it your reason not to make oh, it. Your I just like 1000% yes to all of this. I mean, I think when you're having to have, you know, the COVID talk, it's also such good data gathering for you because you get to see how they respond to boundaries. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we, you know, we have a whole set of, of blogs and things we've written on our website that talk about that exactly. And what's amazing is that because of the conditions that there's some really amazing skill sets that have the opportunity to carry over, which is this idea of open communication. Yes. Right. And so it's great. You know, it's just, it's a really, a really awesome yeah. thing to, to learn to do. And it's not as hard as one thinks. And I think that a lot of people make up stories about how people will perceive them if they ask, you know, can we both get tested before I see you? Do you mind going to get a test and just send me a screenshot of your negative or whatever it is? There's so much story that goes on. And in reality, everyone's like, yeah, sure. Exactly. We're just doing it. It's just what we're doing now. Yep, exactly. And I love, I mean, I just, I, I love this piece. Okay. All of our audience who's listening, you cannot use the pandemic as an excuse not to date. Okay. It's official. Yeah, for, for, it's definitely <laughs> official. Yes. yes. You know, I, I just think that when we are when we have fear holding us back, we have whatever narrative or story in our head, we will find anything to avoid being vulnerable and putting ourselves out there. So just knowing that you, you know, we can't, you can't use this time as a reason. No, you can't yeah. get together. If you're, if you have anxiety about the future um, and you're in fear, you humans are wired to actually then want connection, right? They want to get yeah. together. And so like, again, like I talked about at the beginning, leverage that. <laughs> yes. Right? Leverage it. Like there's yes. someone else who's like looking for the same thing that you are and doesn't want to mess around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Such good advice. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering about like, as, as people 
get closer. They're, they're having the open, honest communication. I've been getting this question a lot about like what happens when you're dating multiple people, which I know you talked about in the method, like open the, you know, open the floodgates or turn the faucet on. Right. So I have, you know, obviously when what what we teach works, people have that quote unquote problem, right? It's a good problem to have, but you're dating multiple people at once. Um, yeah, like I, I always get the question, well, how do I know when I should just go down to one person? I'd be curious to hear what you would say. Well, so, you know, there's, you're, you're collecting data, right. And you're having fun. So and you have these criteria that you're kind of searching. That's your, you're the detective. You're in a playful and fun way. You're trying to see, do we have, you know, the best connection? And so I think that you trust your gut and you also match the energy of the people that you're dating. And there is a voice inside that's going to choose for you. I mm-hmm. think what, um, what, uh, what people, struggle with. And even before the pandemic was, you know, FOMO, right. The fear of missing out. So meaning like, Oh, well, if I choose that guy, what if this guy was better? Um, here's the thing, like you will never know that. And so, you know, you at some point make a decision when it feels right for you. Um, and then you pursue that knowing that if that's not the right one, and it ends, then you can always get back in touch with the other person. Um, and I've had clients do that. You know, I had a client who dated someone for a year and it didn't work out. There were just some things that they couldn't get over. And um, she asked me like, there was another guy when I was first, you know, dating. And I, is it weird to connect back in with him? I'm like, no, not at all. Like see what he's up to. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've been doing this research for this, uh, annual planning my husband and I have been doing because I wanted to like mix it up a little bit this year. And um, I love, love this idea that there are um, multiple variations of our life that exist for us. Yes. Multiple possibilities, right? And they're radical uh, in their difference. And so um, the one that you're pursuing, right, is just that one you're pursuing. But if you have a paradigm of like, you know, well, anything is possible. Uh, then if that one's not jiving with you, just like a job, right? And you're like, you know, I thought I wanted mm-hmm. to be a teacher, but now I've been a teacher for a year and I want to do something else. You're like, okay, great. Well, what's the other possibility? Because in that process, you learn something about yourself. Yes. So you just I, pivot. Yes, I, I agree 100%. It's being able to go into that abundance mindset, right? Of knowing that there's no wrong decision. I always tell people, you know, there's no failure in dating. You're just gathering data. But I think one of the key things, and you talked about this, know how to tune in to yourself and listen to how you really feel with that person. Like, listen to that, right? Yes. When you're you're honest with yourself and you really have tuned in and you're not so focused on, oh my gosh, is it them? Like, do, do they actually like me? Like, am I making a good impression? When you've shifted your energy inwards, that data is going to come to you so much more easily. Absolutely. And you have to know, look, you have to know what you're looking for. The old paradigm is, um, you know, you get what you get. Yeah. And the new paradigm is I can get what I want. Amen. You know, and, and be, and, (laughs) uh, from my, my soapbox here, um, be really clear on what you want. Cause when I do values clarification in terms of dating with people, what they think they want is not really what they need. It's what yes. they think they want. Yes. So get clear on what is it that you really need. That's going to give you the leverage, that foundation to work through those 69%. Ooh, I love that. I agree a hundred percent. And when, when we have that clarity, then the decisions become easy. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's just, I think that clarity is so, so powerful. Amen. Yep. Yep. In life. It is in all areas. 
I, I love that you do this 12 month planning, by the way, I am. So I do like a three month version of that, but you've got me thinking now, maybe I should just go for the whole year, go for the whole year. <laughs> you know, like we, we started doing this thing of doing experiments, which is why I ended up in Montana uh, this summer, because my husband's like, uh, you know, I just don't want, I want to live in a place with wide open spaces. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Iowa in a town, not on the farm. And I live in mm. Los Angeles and I've lived in Chicago. I don't know what the hell Montana's like. So we went there for a week. Um, but it's been really fun to do different experiments um, trying to decide what, you know, we want to do five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. And, uh, so mapping it out in advance, mm, uh, beautiful has been fun, obviously allowing for spontaneity, which happened this year, clearly. Yes. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, this is such a beautiful illustration of partnership and the joy that you can have in planning those things with a partner and someone who wants to do it with you. Well, yes. And I, I always like to say this because I'm very transparent. Uh, I, I can remember the last two years specifically that we've done this. There's a section where you're like looking at your year, right? And you're like, these were the most amazing parts. It was so amazing. This is amazing. And then you, so you warm up and then you get to the section about what didn't work this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and last year we were in a, a road on a road trip for seven hours. That was a bad idea. <laughs> That, is that a was a bad time. idea. <laughs> Talking about what didn't work in your relationship in your life when you can't like walk away and take a break. Uh, and so this year it was, uh, we were, we were home, but it was a, a weekend of like, you know, some, some deep, intense conversations. It was not fun. What was great about it is that before we sat down this year to do this, we pulled out our little book that had the section from last year. And I was like, look, we totally, we worked through all these things. Like we, we addressed all these things. These things mm. aren't issues in our life right now. And so I was like presencing that because when I was like this, I'm going to kill this guy. Like what the hell is he thinking? Uh, why is he saying that? Um, and he was annoyed at me too. I was like, you know what? This is the messiness of it. Right. And, and yeah. having that foundation allows us then to have those really hard conversations and work through it. And so I always just like to, to say that because I think people think, you know, if you're the expert that you have this idealized Instagram relationship, right. And I think that's crap. And so I will tell you that I was not happy last weekend with my husband. And by the time Monday rolled around, like we came to some really amazing new places. And mm. then we went into the next section and it was like, it, we were fun again. It was fun. I love, you know, there's so much I love about what you just said, but I think the key thing is that person that's going to show up with you in the hard conversations and this acceptance that no relationship is perfect, but what's really beautiful is somebody who's willing to go through the mess with you and come out stronger on the other side, you know? Absolutely. And that's why when you're dating, right, you're, you're, you're not, I mean, yeah. Okay. So some people are like, I want him to have X amount of dollars in the bank. I want him to be really tall. Or the other mistake is he can't be this and he can't be this and he can't be that. Cause I already had that and that sucked. Right. But like really looking at what, again, is it that you need to be able to go yeah. through the long haul with someone? Yes. And part of it is somebody that will show up and have the conversations with you. That's going to be a partner in partnership. Cause I know too many of us have been in those relationships where the conversations didn't happen. Both people weren't invested to have the conversation. So, um, yeah, I, I love, I love that you have that practice and just that, that whole piece of, you know, when we want, a great relationship. It takes the investment and it takes showing up. Yeah. And the, and the courage, right. And the that's, courage, because yeah. that, you know, that is, that is, and, and the creativity that can come from that is really fun. So that's what we're enjoying right now is exploring these experiments to see what works and what doesn't work and what we like. And, and we're also transitioning into the emptiness part of our life. Mm. So um, we've never done this, you know, I've never done it before. He's never, you know, he, 
he came into my life when my youngest was six. Now she's 18. So um, we're just sort of like, whoa, what do we do? How do we do that? Put a pandemic in it, stir it up. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love the the creativity though, and that willingness to, you know, be, be flexible with each other, be playful. And, and essentially, you know, you're, you're understanding one another first and foremost, but then also problem solving together. Totally. And that's it. And that's like part of that process is coming up with some proposed solutions. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's exciting. We, we went, one of the experiments we did this year was besides Montana is we, uh, rented, a like a 24 foot airstream, you know, like camper situation. And we went on a, an adventure for seven days and, uh, we were living in these 24 feet really 21 feet. Cause I think the bed took up three feet at least. <laughs> uh, and, and we made this list the last night. Um, he surprised me and took me to a lovely hotel the last night, which was fun. And we were like, wow, all of our flaws get magnified in a smaller space. Ooh. Right. Like the thing he does where he can't find stuff in a bigger house, like it doesn't matter as much. And I don't notice it. He's probably just half the time wandering around doing loops, trying to find his wallet. <laughs> I don't know about it. Right. But when you're in 21 feet, you know, or 20 feet and he's like, yeah. where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? And I'm thinking like, don't all people like, you know, put something down and like look at it and go wallet, you know, in the cubby. Right. And no, not all people think like that. So it was just by the end, we were like, wow. I was like, now I totally <laughs> get it. Like you don't, you don't think about it when you throw something down or you're rushed or whatever it is. I literally been with this man for 13 years. I, I didn't know that exact, like, I didn't know how it, how it unfolds because we're in a bigger space. So that was amazing. I love him so much. So that was fun. So we're, our next experiment will be in a little bit of a bigger vehicle. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. Yeah. And it, it really is, you know, that curiosity and that genuine desire to understand someone instead of having judgment. Yeah, exactly. Cause exactly. you could have, that could have gone a totally different way. Right. And you're like, Oh, well girl, it did go. A different <laughs> way for a minute, I'm not going to lie. I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck? Like when you put something away, remember. You know? And then, but then it got to this whole thing about, it was actually really amazing because then when we kind of like reverse engineered it, it came down to rushing. He rushed it. He's like, mm -hmm. I rush. That came down to trying to pack too many things into one day or one time because of the desire to like want to see it all. So anyway, that was cool because it, it's not about that. It's about this, which is about that. And then we're like, great. So for our next trip, we want to slow it down, maybe see mm -hmm. less, but have more chill time. Right. And, and see, so that's yeah. Great. Wow. It's like the understanding that comes from going deeper and, and really understanding what's going on. Right. It's like, if you're in a relationship where you can't do that, then the story you're telling yourself is, oh, geez, you know, my, my husband is so disorganized. What a slob or something, but yeah. you're not, you're not understanding the deeper level and, and ultimately getting that data that then helps you in the future. Right. So Ex exactly. And so I love that, it. That's the, and that's the messiness of it. And so when I, I don't know, I just don't buy it when someone is like, Oh, I've been married for 20 years and we've never had an argument. Oh my gosh. I'm like, that's really? danger zone. Danger right? zone. I feel conflict. like it's danger zone. It's I mean, good. when you are close, you have conflict. I've been talking yeah. about this on the podcast that sometimes people have that, you know, connection to conflict as fear of abandonment or it's bad, but no conflict is you're, you're close. You're close exactly. to somebody. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so, and then, you know, you end up on the couch watching the crown and below decks <laughs> and that's that, you know, and then you're just back to, you're just back to life. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And I think that when I think about the proposed solutions, um, and I know your show is about vulnerability, it's about when I'm in that moment of like, uh, you know, is to not armor up and to say, you know, it makes me scared that, you know, mm. we're talking about this and then, you know, this part of the vision and this is where we're going. And like, I'm scared that that wasn't part of what you were thinking. Like, 
that scares me. I thought we were on the same page. Right. And that doesn't happen in the moment. There's a lot of like, ah, you know, but then being able to like go on a walk or whatever and have that conversation and that vulnerability is what then create reestablishes the connection. Yes. Coming back to that compatibility. And then, then we're having the productive conversation. So, you know, I think as, as humans, but as women, you know, when we can, we can step back from the conflict and show up and just be, start it with the feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, a guy, a man, the right person is going to be like, Oh wait, I really care about this person. She's feeling sad, mad, scared, whatever. It's just it, they lean in. So they do. And that's way better than armoring up and pushing away. That's a common myth. And I don't know if you run into this, but I'll have women who are in the program and they'll say, Oh, but I don't think any men are going to want to have these conversations about my emotions or, you know, they're not going to want to be vulnerable with me. But I think, and I'm sure you feel this way, when we give men the opportunity to show up in those spaces and we model vulnerability, it's a gift to them. Then they're able to step up and do it too. Well, yeah. And I will say this because I interview a ton of men and I'm not, I mean, 90% of them, they're not, they don't want to, like they'd much right. rather. They don't want to, they that's don't a good want clarifying. to, but yeah. they're capable of, and the right yes. guy wants to be better at it and figure it out. Because in the end, you know, I've interviewed so many men when we have these man panels and they will tell, tell me, you know, we're like puppies. We just want to make you happy. Just teach us what to do. Right. So when you're telling them what's really going on and you're articulating it and you have a positive bias in the relationship rather than always looking for what's wrong, having a negative bias, then he's going to want to just, he wants the manual. What do you need? I want to work on it. And so the right guy has one of those core values that allows the space to be emotionally intelligent, to have a conversation. He might not love it. No guy loves like, hey, you want to talk about feelings? I don't think not all of them, um, but they're capable and um, because they care and they're capable. Yes, because they care. That's a great way to sum it up. And I, I talk a lot about attachment theory. So when they're invested and they want to build that secure attachment with you, they're going to do what is required for that. The right guy is going to do what's required for that. Yeah, yes, exactly. And they might learn to enjoy it along the way. In my experience, yeah, men who, you know, they're like, they oh, emotions. <laughs> they <laughs> absolutely do. And I will say, even with this planning thing, you know, like for years, I did most of it by myself. And I asked my husband a couple of questions and he started to get more and more curious about it. And then he started doing it a little bit and then he started doing a little bit more. And then, you know, and then he was like, wow, this is actually amazing. So um, train your puppy. Train your puppy. I like that. Train your puppy because he wants to make you happy. Yeah. I love that. Yep. And then always being also curious what they need from us. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes as I I don't know if, if this is me in my own experience, but I think sometimes I'll just get in that caretaker mode, like the female, you know, and I'll just try to know what my partner needs. I'll predict it without getting really curious. Um, So I think as women, that's also something we have to be aware of is genuinely be curious and ask them what they need. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that follow up. And, and I've been saying this a lot too. If they say, um, you know, what I need is freedom. And instead of going, what, you know, oh, don't you want to be here? You know, say like, oh, what do you mean by that exactly? Oh, yes. A follow-up question. What do you mean? Or, or if you, if you said, if you say to him, I'd really like to talk about our retirement plans. And he goes, yeah, that would be cool. We should do that soon. What does that mean? What do you mean by that exactly? I love that in all areas of life, asking yes. people, what do you mean by that? What does that look like? Operationalize what people are saying. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Wow. Well, we have covered so much today and you are, you are just incredible. I love all the work that you're doing um, and just your, your willingness to share parts of your story with us. Thank you so much. I want to make sure people can find you, Marnie. How, where is the best way to find you? 
they could go to datingwithdignity.com and they can find me. They can find my podcast. They can find our blog series on dating in the pandemic. Uh, is a potpourri of fun over there at datingwithdignity.com. I love it. I I looked at the website, you guys. It's amazing. Go check it out. Datingwithdignity.com. Yeah. Um, and I always have a question I ask my guests before they go. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> Random one. So let's say you're walking down the street and you run into someone who you don't know and they ask you, what is your best life advice right now? Mm, it okay, doesn't have to be it. of all time, but like no, currently this is right now. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, funny because so my um my daughter's 25 and she's had this job for two years and she's a millennial. So it's going great. And she got a promotion, but she's like, you know, I'm going for the next gig, the big leap. And so she lives on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. So she's like, Mom, give me something motivational. So when I wake up in the morning before my interview, I see it. And I was like, oh, okay. I love that. I'm going to share that, but this is a family. This is the Batista family motto. Um, Don't let fear get in the way of your biggest dreams. Even if your biggest dream is your biggest fear. Ooh, that is so good. There you go. I love it. Wow. Write that down. Write that down. Same <laughs> advice given to Chloe Batista day before the big interview. She got the job. So it worked. You did. To do it. Yes. Yeah. Good job. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I know fear is just the, you know, the dream killer, right? It, it is. So yeah, totally. Yeah. What powerful advice. And especially I think in these times too, we yeah. can't, we can't hang out in fear. Nope. It's not going to work. No. Well, thank you so much again. I really loved having you as a guest and maybe at some point we'll connect again. I, I hope, uh, if I you ever come back out to Montana, come to Montana, exactly. The I'll, have to, I'll have to get the deep dive on life and living in Montana. Which yeah. Really like give really you the like. tour. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All thank right. You so thank much. you so much, Marnie. Take care. Bye-bye. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.